Hello, I'm Jeremy Allaire, and welcome to The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas driving this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. So accelerating adoption of crypto is raising significant questions about how it can play a role in improving the economy at large. Not only does crypto have a diversity problem, it also is woefully misunderstood in broader communities, including communities of color. And now as we enter this new era of the Biden administration, from a financial services and FinTech perspective, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is going to be focused on delivering results and improving financial opportunities for underrepresented communities. How can crypto transform economic opportunities for people of color everywhere? Joining us this week uh, to explore these issues and more is Clev Mesidor, founder of the National Policy Network of Women of Color in Blockchain, uh, a Washington insider. She served as an Obama presidential nominee, a senior staffer in Congress, and the leadership of a, of a number of national political campaigns. She's also author of The Clevolution, My Quest for Justice in Politics and Crypto. Welcome, Clev. It's wonderful to have you here today. I'm thrilled to be here. Excellent, excellent. So, so much we're going to talk about today. I'm very excited for this conversation. I want to start actually uh, a, a little bit with um, with your story. I love to start with people's story, and you know, specifically, you know, your journey here, your journey into crypto, the intersection of of, of the themes that you've been talking about. Um, and we're going to touch on your book, but I want to just start maybe with um, with uh, with with your journey here, and and uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm, I've watched the work that you're doing at Circle, so keep up the great work globally and in the US. But I love to start like this because in the, in the crypto space, we underestimate how much you know, our stories, our journey into this space matter to people and actually help to actually bring people into the fold. But I first learned into, I first learned about cryptocurrency when I was working in the Obama administration as a political appointee. In 2013, a friend had a Bitcoin project and asked me to help him. And I learned about Bitcoin, you know, the help of the project. It was interesting. I, then I saw the movie Dope. Some of your audience <laughs> may remember that. I love that movie. <laughs> but, and, and so it was still interesting, but didn't really motivate me until about 2015. 2015, 2016, the conversation expanded beyond Bitcoin. And it actually shifted to the possibilities of the technology, intellectual property protections, you know, identity management, privacy. You know, I'm... I'm sure your audience is wondering where the, where the accent's from. I am actually from Haiti, from the Caribbean. I was born in Haiti, moved to the US when I was eight. I was raised here. But when you, when you, when you think of things like self-sovereign identity, that actually matters yeah. you know, in the Caribbean where so many people don't even have ID. Yeah. So, so that's the journey that brought me into this space. So when people say, why are you here? I say, I'm here for the economic revolution. You know, we know so many people across the world. I think 1.7 billion are unbanked or underbanked. So for me, that's the prism I come to crypto. It's 
looking at it as a technology, a currency to help solve some of the problems for the communities that I can connect back to. Yeah, that's really profound. I, uh, I, have, I have my own small Haiti connection. I spent a lot of time uh, studying and learning about political change in Haiti. I met Jean Bartrand Aristide uh, and his, wow. The Paris of the Poor. His book was obviously a really influential book for me uh, a long time ago. But um, so that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, this this, you know, connection to people who need economic transformation um, is such a profound part of this. And I think, you know, a lot of what has drawn a lot of, of people into this industry, into this movement um, um, has been the belief that, you know, digital currency and blockchains could bring more people into the economic system and enable more people to participate in that. And I feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously in, in the heart of the beast uh, of policy uh, there in DC. Um, I, I, there's a lot of passion for these issues, but it feels like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, of, of policymakers, political leaders, they don't really um, connect to that. They don't really understand that. And um, you know, I, I'd be interested just just at a, at a high level to hear, you know, how you talk about that. If you're sitting down with with a, a representative in Congress and they're saying, "Isn't this just a bunch of you know dudes trading and making money, speculating on this thing? And isn't this just you know uh, a criminal thing?" Or you know, the cla the classic you know fud. How do you how do you respond to them and, and how do you connect to this more fundamental set of ideas that you're pursuing? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I actually think for the as part of the crypto community, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work we have not done in terms of educating people. You know, for myself, it took me two years to get this thing. And I run and I publish a weekly newsletter, more so for me, it goes out to thousands, more so for me just to keep up. So, you know, this is a hard thing to understand, which we know, and that's a big barrier to adaption. Yes, I, I worked on Capitol Hill. I worked for two members of Congress. So, and I actually focus on the Tri-Caucus, the Black Caucus, Hispanic Caucus, and Asian, Asian Pacific American Caucus. And their prism, you know, the lens that they view crypto through is illicit use of crypto. That's what they've heard about. And, you know, when they when you look at big tech and these communities and these members who represent communities of color, you know, they think of crypto like big tech, right? You know, that they have to protect consumers from it. So, so what I try to do is I try to demystify crypto and I try to, you know, soften the language of crypto. Right? We all love the story of Satoshi, but quite frankly, it scares the hell out of you know, elected officials. And, and, and we need to remember in crypto that most of the members of Congress, the majority, probably 70% of them, if not 75, are over 70, over 60. So therefore, it's not a matter of age, it's a matter of the relationship with money, yeah. right? So their relationship with money is different. And so, you know, so for me, I approach it from the conversation about, you know, money is more inclusive when we have the most options available to consumers. Mm -hmm. like I talk, I, I share basic definitions of cryptocurrency and not, do not go into technical definitions. And, and I also, you know, don't focus on the members, right? The members will only take you so far because they have so many priorities with leadership. Yeah. 
where we need to do a lot of work is with congressional staff. Again, you know, legislative assistants juggle multiple issues, so they don't have the time to sit here and, and hear you tell them they don't understand it. So it's really, so with members of Congress and their staff, I try to find, find out from the financial services side, what are their problems? What are their issues? How can I help them you know, solve or bridge the gap with some of the problems they have? Then they'll be more likely to say, okay, Clev, let's talk about this crypto thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously uh, today is a significant day because it's the start of uh, uh, a new uh, kind of uh, comprehensive uh, uh, Democratic Party uh, governance uh, in, in Congress and, 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 and the White House. Um, you know, I, I think we, we, um, we, the progressive wing of the party and, and the moderate wing of the party, you know, both, I think, care a lot about financial inclusion. Uh, they care a lot, ultimately, about you know the kind of infrastructure development. That's a big theme um, that that I think people care about. Competitiveness uh, of of the U.S. workforce. What are what do, what do you believe the critical themes are uh, to be focused on um, in in educating members of Congress and and in particular, of course, the staff? Uh, what do you think the key themes are that we need to focus on? Yeah, it's a new day, a new Congress, a new administration. You know, this is the most diverse Congress and the most diverse administration ever. And, and we have a lot of new members who are very excited. And also a lot of the regulatory agencies in the executive branch, their leaderships are changing, mm -hmm. right? So, so for me, you know, we have to look at this thing from the crypto community has to be less aggress aggressive. The biggest challenge for the executive branch and the legislative branch over the next four years, over the next two years will be economic recovery. We yeah. need to demonstrate how does crypto fit into econ economic discovery. You know, we can't come at it, oh, this was all, you know, this is the solution, this and that. We have to look at what is, you know, the financial plan. You know, Biden has announced, you know, this 1.9, you know, trillion dollar plan you know, we know where Congress is going with, leg with legislation. So if we stay focused on economic recovery, and if we look at the buckets of economic, you know, strategies that they have, and we look at opportunities for pilots and working groups, and look at opportunities to actually integrate crypto in a way that's non-disruptive. You know, I know it goes against our nature, but, but you know, for Biden, the COVID and the economy will will definitely bag him down for members of Congress as well. So for us, if we can't, you know, fit in where they are in, it's going to be very hard to even have the conversation. I know some people are upset that Janet Yellen, you know, indicated that she's concerned about illicit use, use of crypto. That's the lens they're looking at. And in Congress, it's all about relationships and it's all about building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And we have to do better at that. And once we build those relationships, once we actually help them to, we have to come up with the solutions of how we fit into this economic recovery conversation, then things will be a little smoother, I think. Yeah, that, 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 make, that makes sense. I mean, I think um, there are a couple of important lenses uh, here. You know, I think one is the, the sort of, investing in the next level of infrastructure for the country, which is a really critical piece to make the country more competitive, to ultimately 
make the, 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 the economic system itself ready for the you know, 21st century to use a, a kind of cliche. Um, but, um, and, and, I, and I wonder if that can become a, a key part of the message, which is, hey, this is you know, blockchain infrastructure, digital currency, uh, the opportunities it creates is gonna be the foundation for the global economic system. We need to make sure that the best opportunities exist in the world for doing that here in the United States, uh, not, not just happening in China, not just happening in, in other markets that are being more progressive with this and, and really kind of help, uh, you know, help the administration and Congress understand that. Yeah, I think you're right on. Infrastructure is a priority. And if you remember when Trump first came on board, there was a lot of talk about an infrastructure bill. Right. And there was a lot of talk about doing this, but then the bottleneck happened, right? Once there's conflict, nobody's going to give anybody a win. So the infrastructure bill never materialized. We have an opportunity here. And, and you're right, this infrastructure bill, I remember when we came into the Obama administration, you know, we had to figure out how to create jobs. And it was, and we added innovation on, entrepreneurship. So, yeah. as, so as we're looking at an infrastructure bill, it's all about creating new innovation jobs. It's all about empowering small businesses in different ways. So these small entities that hire, you know, less than five people, making sure that they have the tools. And I totally agree. That's a, a direct way where we can actually talk about cryptocurrency, basic things like making sure that small businesses I can actually accept cryptocurrency and in a way and we have the infrastructure already in place in a way that 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 is very low risk to them but also in terms of making sure that these you know jobs we invest these new jobs we're creating that there's funding for training about financial literacy training mm -hmm. and workforce training around cryptocurrency those are well within you know the purview of the crypto community to collaborate yeah, yeah, uh, I, I see that as well. I, I think um, you know, as as you uh, as you've kind of come come through this journey, I'm I'm actually interested just coming a little bit back to to your own story. Um, just um, you know, to talk a little bit about uh, about the book, uh, about some of the critical themes that you explore in the book, um, and um, and and I, I maybe just start there, and then and then I want to dive more into some of the Kind of diversity and inclusion issues that face uh, this industry and 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 relate to policy issues as well. Yeah, so the book is about my quest for justice in politics and crypto, which is the 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 name is the Clevolution, which a friend came up with. It wasn't me, but it's really about this fusion of these two, you know, these two different different you know spaces that I come from. You know, I have a deep Washington background, worked on Capitol Hill, worked for the Obama administration, worked on national campaigns. You know, crypto is new. I, again, first introduced to it in 2013, got immersed around 2015. So it's interesting. These communities are very, very different. <laughs> I'm sorry, very, very similar. I swear to you, the craziness of Washington, you know, how polarized and siloed it is and how, you know, people form different camps. Oh my God, crypto is exactly the same way, which is one of the reasons why it's very hard, you know, Washington and the crypto community tends to talk at each other instead of with each other. But the book focuses on these experiences because for me, whether it was, you know, in politics or now in crypto, you know, social justice and economic justice is what 
I'm focused on, right? So I even remember when I worked at CNN, I, I went to Howard University, I'm repping Howard because the, the, our vice president is a Howard mm -hmm. alum, so we're happy to be on the map. But, but I remember when I left Howard University, I went, I went to work for CNN, CNN's Washington Bureau, which focused on politics. And I remember Frank Cessna was our bureau chief at the time, and I had a conversation with him. And you know, he talked about media being a public service. And I remember thinking, yes, that's why I'm here. And when I went into politics, it was a, about a public service. Mm -hmm. So, so it was frustrating in politics, right? Because there was a lot of problems I, we could not solve. You can't legislate some things. You can't write a bill to solve some things. Right? So when I left Washington, it was because I want to be. I wanted to be part of the other side. How do I make these changes that were so difficult from a legislative or regulatory perspective? Crypto has allowed me to, you know, be a revolutionary, be a disruptor, and actually. You know, not reach back and say, "Hey, here are some of the solutions," and leverage some of the relationships. And but but so so those are some of the themes. But a big part of it is obviously my journey from being born in Haiti to you know moving to the U.S. and integrating into the U.S. But also you know I talk about being you know an entrepreneur, right? Being part of the new small businesses in America, which are these micro enterprises. And I talk about, you know, I even talk about, you know, the PPP loan. We, you know, good intentions, you know, but the, the, the federal government has to start thinking differently about what a, what a 21st century small business is, mm -hmm. right? So, so when we look at micro enterprises, innovative enterprises, the PPP was the first effort to actually try to integrate, you know, independent contractors, you know, startups, entrepreneurs, they even, you know, allowed fintech yeah. and banks to participate. But that's an area where we have to do better. I've met with the Small Business Administration, you know, they, I'm sorry, sorry, the Small the House Small Business Committee, they are very excited about innovating, the, especially things like the 7A loan program. We have to do better to actually make sure that as we actually go into this innovation economy, that small businesses, micro enterprises have what they need to be resourced and successful. So that's a, that, that, that's a short synopsis of some of the stuff I cover. No, very interesting. Um, you know, as, as you think about this, um, kind of communities of color, financial inclusion and crypto, you know, what do you what do you see as the as the primary ways that crypto can be a positive, uh, a, a positive capability for these communities? Yeah, yeah. So so obviously when we talk about financial inclusion, we're talking about the 1.7 you know billion globally, right? We're talking about the 55 million here in the US right. or un unbanked or underbanked. But that is just the baseline, right? So, so financial inclusion is not the goal. It's where we need to be just to level the playing field. That's where we have to go back. We have to go beyond that to economic opportunity, you know, economic equity, and even e economic justice. You know, one of the one of the things I love to muse about is what is the problem? What is the problem crypto is trying to solve? And Going back to this relationship with money, depending on 
where you are in crypto, your relationship with money, that will actually inform how you view the technology and, and, and how you're building on it. So for me, coming from you know, a, a community of, of color, coming from an economically disadvantaged community, I grew up in New York City, I grew up in Queens. My, my, you know, for the most part, they were probably middle class, but you know, the, the challenges I want to solve are, relate back to financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. I, would, I love the idea that we can leverage crypto to actually fit some of that gap, to bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. you know, crypto can actually give access to financial services in a way that the traditional system did not. Mm -hmm. But I will say, when you look at where we are right now in the crypto community, where we've actually been successful in doing this is abroad, right? Where inflation is high, where, you know, Venezuela was a great case, right? Mm -hmm. Argentina and others. I know Circle has a footprint globally, is doing some great work. And so, you know, th there are some places where crypto works. Again, you know, you see a lot of focus on the continent of Africa because again, you know, Brazil, India, because of this issue of inflation, it's very difficult here where cash is still king, where people really still, you know, have confidence in the traditional financial system. So, you know, I guess that's my long-winded way to say, we still have to prove, we still have to demonstrate that crypto can actually bridge that financial inclusion gap. Mm -hmm. And we have to look back at what are some of the projects we're building, right? There's so much focus on, you know, Bitcoin ETF as a person who early on you know, owns Bitcoin, was on the early, big, I'm all for that. But when you look at the marketplace, the needs of the marketplace, or even the priorities of today's consumers, you know, in crypto, we had to do, we have to invest more in terms of educating, in terms of financial literacy, and also in terms of outreach and engagement the space is in its infancy. So, you know, we put too much pressure on us as a community, but the space is in its an infancy. And so, so sometimes we forget that the whole world doesn't know and love crypto. We forget that the whole world doesn't sit at conferences talking about, you know, all of these, you know, technical aspects of it. So, so we have to do a better job to connect to the marketplace and financial inclusion. We need yeah. to do better. One, one of the questions I wanted to ask you related to that is, um, you know, um, with, with financial inclusion and, and creating economic opportunities, I think part of the, the, the very specific, um, you, you know, sort of approach that, that Bitcoin itself presents is you know, as, as essentially as a savings technology. It's a, a way to sort of, uh, you know, uh, put savings into something that uh, is non-inflationary, uh, that, you know, uh, you know, kind of gives you a, a way to, to store value that's, you know, not just traditionally in the banking sector. And I think for, for many individuals, you know, people can take some amount of their savings and do that. You're now seeing, obviously, the Black Rocks of the world, the Fidelities of the world. You know, uh, you know, big, big institutions, huge amounts of, you know, even you know, insurance companies, other things that are starting to do it. But part of the democratization of this is that this is something that you just need to download a piece of software, if, or if you get Cash App, uh, you know, you you can you can put uh, fifty dollars, uh, you know, into this and safely store it. And and so I I wonder from an education perspective and a financial literacy perspective, um, 
does the crypto community need to do a better job educating people where the idea of buying something like this and holding something like this as a savings technology might be really alien to them because they're certainly not hearing that from their community owned bank. They're not hearing that when they go to down the street. Um, but these are, you know, communities that actively use every advanced technology that there is. They actively are, you know, using all the advancements of the internet. Do you think that that's, you know, do, do you see that as, as, as a key, as a key goal for us uh, in terms of education? Yeah, I think store value is one of the aspects that's most interesting about crypto, right? And that's why you, you mentioned a lot of the financial services companies are, you know, are in. Fidelity was early in, you know, Jamie Dimon has turned around. Yeah. And, and so, and then you, you see you know, PayPal and definitely Cash App. So, so for me, I tell people, especially, you know, when, it, when people do think of Bitcoin is the way to attract people in, right? It's like yeah. this thing to get them in, right? But we have to be concerned about that as well, too, because we, you know, we don't want to steer people to Bitcoin, which has a high price. I tell them Bitcoin is like, lay you can put Bitcoin on layaway, right? You can just buy a little at a time. But we don't want people to lose their savings or to lose, you know, the little money that they have, which is why the financial literacy comes into play. So for me, when I talk to people, I, I encourage them to buy cryptocurrency. I, I, because Bitcoin is so sexy, I, I encourage them to start with Bitcoin. I actually point them to Cash App because most people have a Cash App account. Yeah. I tell them buy $25 worth of Bitcoin. Right. Right. Because no one's going to be upset if they lose $25. Right. And we know they're not going to lose $25. Yeah. But at least once they see a return, they'll increase that. I actually know somebody who, you know, he actually first learned about cryptocurrency during an event I did for Black History Month on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and he, this is a great story. He shared the story that, you know, he, he got enamored by Bitcoin. He works for the federal government, so I won't say which agency. And during COVID, they allowed, the government allowed employ, federal employees to actually be able to take up to $100,000 out of their federal account. Mm -hmm. He actually took $100,000 and put it into Bitcoin. <laughs> so like two weeks ago, he called me and said, thank you. Because <laughs> when, when Bitcoin hit 40, he, he bought Bitcoin at like, I think mm -hmm. when it was like $4,500 in March. So the store of value is exciting, we, but we have to talk about it differently. We have to encourage people to buy $25, which is a hard thing for people in crypto to do because we're just like, that is ridiculous, right? They should be smarter. They should, no, people, I remember during the Obama administration, one of the biggest successes his first term was people who donated $25. They donated $25, they showed up at, it's a volunteer every day. They knocked on doors because that $25 is precious. But going back to the financial literacy piece, and that has to go hand in hand with the store value, because cold storage is important for people to understand, yeah. right? Because they can do cash up for a while, but that only takes them so far because of the limitations. So yeah. we want them to get to a point where they understand, how, you know, how to hold their own keys. We they understand, you know, the difference between buying crypto on on, on PayPal and, right. and versus an exchange, a traditional exchange, or even how to actually, you know, 
hold their own crypto to cold storage. Yeah. One of the projects I'm working on is to create a financial literacy product, which would essentially be a certificate program. The, the goal is to work with financial literacy centers. There are tons of them in the communities we need, we need to hit. So we don't have to build the infrastructure. These financial literacy centers are already teaching people the difference between paying for a banana, between paying with a dollar, a credit card, or a check. They teach right. them. We need to add the crypto to that mix. So this product would be a certificate program that the financial literacy centers would actually administer. And once their participants, their patrons complete it, they get their first wallet and yeah. they get $25 on that first wallet. So they, they go into it at least having a basic knowledge about cold storage because the certificate program would focus on cold storage. And, and so as we actually get people to focus on store value by crypto, yeah. we this is a good way to actually start integrating the conversation about cold storage into the yeah. I mean, I think it's that's that's a powerful way to go. Education in, in that way is is really powerful. And I, I think for for a lot of people, the the concept of being able to kind of um, control your own store of value, not have it be something that can be sort of seized from you, uh, you know, the, the, the independence that can come from that. And, and otherwise, it's it, it can be quite powerful, but it's a lot to learn and, and, and take on uh, for, for sure. Um, I want to come back to one of the themes that you've touched on, and obviously is a major theme for you, which is, you know, just the the diversity problem in crypto, right? So women of color in blockchain, you're at the forefront of driving greater diversity in, in the blockchain ecosystem. I would love to hear a little bit about that work. But also, you know, this is a big problem, right? You, we need these communities to reflect the diversity of, of the world we're in. Some might argue that will happen automatically as this becomes a mass market technology. But I also think as, a, as an ecosystem, we have to be intentional about these things. I'd love to hear about what intentions you, you think need to be there and, and, and how do we keep addressing this? Yeah, it's very important. You know, the, the burden that crypto inherited from big tech is the fact that big tech is seen as not inclusive, not diverse, and also that they don't want to be inclusive or diverse, right? So in the crypto community, we have to push beyond that because if we actually repeat or allow ourselves to be branded with the moniker of big tech, mm -hmm. members of Congress and, and the, the administration are not going to take us seriously. And they're certainly not going to advance another industry that will actually keep people of color out, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this effort to actually get smart regulatory policy it means that crypto, we have to make sure that in our workforce, we actually reflect, you know, the demographics. We're not, you know, as, as an advocate for diversity, I'm not asking for any you know, any special favors, you know, HBCUs, I, I, I'm a graduate of Howard University, has spent the last two decades creating a pipeline, right? You know, we, we've had, you know, black and brown people go to all of these universities to learn about tech, right? And we know that right now, you know, blacks and Latinos make up about 40% of the, of, of the US. So if, if they're not present, represented in your workforce, yeah. It's not because you can't find talent, it's because you're actually excluding 40% of the US population. Yeah. And that demographic issue, you know, is not an easy thing to fix, right? Mm -hmm. 
because and we know that and you know but 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 as you said we have to be intentional mm -hmm. and so one of the things that I'll, I'll share is you know that has been great is crypto companies especially large crypto companies working with hbcus right so but what happened was you know ripple i think ripple started working with morgan state morgan state grew this big you know infrastructure there so now everybody goes to morgan state i i get contacted about howard howard created a lab and now everybody wants to there are so many hbcus around the country right right so so one yes, of the ways the big names right it's sort of yeah. it's got to yeah. be everywhere right yeah. i i would say that you know one of the things that we don't we don't pay attention we don't talk about enough is the regional growth of crypto so when 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 i do events with women of color on capitol hill i bring women from all over the country because members of congress want to know that people who look like them from their congressional district are building there mm -hmm. but from the diversity perspective that is one way that the the the, the sector most of the i guess most of the leadership or the people who control the money are probably in New York and California and DC for the most part because DC because of the regulatory piece. But when you look at you know you know Ohio, right? When you look at even Atlanta, oh my God, when you look at Miami, you know, oh my Chicago. Yeah. So you what you're seeing there is grassroots bottom up growth, right? Yeah. People in these communities, you know. Ohio is a big one, but they have, you know, they have Congressman Warren Davidson and others to support sure, them. Sure. But, but, but when you look at, you know, people are, are, are building grassroots communities that large corporations can tap, right? So, yeah. so if we're looking for partners, you don't have to keep going to Harvard and, and Princeton. Harvard yeah. and Princeton are great. Howard and Morgan State are great. But yeah. look to some of these communities where they're really, really strong point. I think it's a really strong point. I think partnering with with uh, you know HBCUs and and the geographic diversity is such a big piece of it. And what's been interesting, I mean, um, Circle's been growing a lot, and with 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 the pandemic world, right? We're fully remote. We're yeah. fully distributed. And you know, if you go on our site, like we we list many of the jobs are just remote wherever you are. So we're we're hiring people all over the country and in different parts of the world. And so I think that creates an enormous opportunity to improve diversity and inclusion. Talent is everywhere. If you are in the echo chamber of of New York finance or or Silicon Valley software big tech, you're gonna you're gonna you're going to self-select into a set of communities that have 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 established there. But if you go broader, there's incredibly talented people everywhere, and just tremendous opportunities to to bring people in. And so I, I think this th this remote work uh, absolutely should be a, a, a real call to action for organizations to, with intention, improve uh, their their diversity. Absolutely. And if I can interject one more thing. It's so internships continue to be important, right? Yeah. We think, you know, we it's the 21st century internships are just like, no, internships is where we've actually seen a huge divide as well of an the inequity exists that actually is a barrier to, you know, to having more diverse workforces in tech and even in crypto. You know, internships are choice opportunities. And for the most part, they typically go to 
children of wealthy you know donors or investors even sure. Even on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., Howard University, over 150 years in Washington, D.C., it has been hard to even get interns to Capitol Hill because Capitol Hill, is a, it's not an easy place to intern. You have to you know, move here. And even if you live here, you have to have housing. So it's an expensive proposition, one that mostly wealthy you know, college students can afford. So we've actually worked very hard to figure out how can we ensure that we get more Howard University interns on Capitol Hill. Again, recognizing it's difficult because there are barriers, but I know Kristen Smith at the Black Chain Association is looking at, you know, a, a, an internship program for her member companies. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I do think, again, it's hard. We have to be intentional. One of the ways is to make sure that your internship program has, has diversity and mm -hmm. is intentional about promoting that. And so if you can look at you know, your intern pool at each year and not mm -hmm. see it reflect the demographics of America, then you have a problem. Then you need to do more because a lot of people focus on you know the lack of diversity and the leadership of these large corporations tech or or any corporations i focus on the your your entry level employees and your mid level employees because mm -hmm. that's where we actually because if we're going to level the playing field they're going to enter through these positions and that's where we have to make sure there's a pipeline mm -hmm. entry level jobs mid level jobs and if we look there, there's not enough diversity. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great uh, recommendation for the industry. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I want to just, you know, touch at, at, a, at a very high level on, um, you know, sort of your big picture thoughts. And it's, 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 in some ways, it's sort of my last question, which is, you know, what's, what's your dream? You know, where, where do you hope to see things in the next, you know, three to five years, you know, specifically in terms of of crypto and blockchain and and the broader intersection of of, of politics and crypto and 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 communities of color, you know, what would what would uh, what would success look like? What would it look like in three to five years? And and you know, that's you know, roughly the length of the uh, Biden administration. So uh, you can maybe talk about it in the next four years. Yeah. Oh my God. So what would success look like for me? How would I define success? Well, I, I do think that I do want to see more intention about diversity within the crypto company. I'm sorry, within the crypto communities, especially with large employers, mm -hmm. right? You know, I would love for Coinbase to finally recognize that they have an issue and even acknowledge that and act it because you can't solve what you what you can't fix what you don't acknowledge and they don't know they have a lot of people who'd be willing to help them if they would just acknowledge that they have a problem mm -hmm. you know, but but irregardless of coinbase i think every you know company should do that because as you mentioned biden I, I say, I talk a lot about the decade of women. Women of color are very much responsible for Biden's win. That yeah. is why you've seen his administration is so diverse. Yeah. So, so the Biden administration is going to expect crypto to be diverse if it wants a, a seat at the table, right? So we need to address the diversity piece. You know, again, it's hard. We have to be intentional, but there are partners and allies that want to help with that. 
Mm -hmm. I would definitely love for the crypto community to be more intentional and committed to education and training. We, we're so excited about this space. We wanted to, you know, we want mainstream adoption, but we're not going to the basics. We have right. to step back and figure out the language of crypto and start doing basic education, basic training. It's not sexy. It's probably not going to yield anyone an immediate return, but we need a big example is a new congress is in place typically what would happen if it wasn't covid the first month would be when you know constituency groups would come and meet with new members you know try to educate them about their issue share a packet yeah we can't even agree on a definition of crypto right mm -hmm. we you know this thing is a technology it's an industry it's an asset class we can't go to the consumers or elected officials with this level of, of, of grandiosity, right? So we have to figure out, you know, invest in education and training. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that would be that would be a greater success if we were less focused on, if we were just as focused on education and tra training as we are about getting a big Bitcoin ETF passed. And 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 I would say, you know, like everybody in crypto, I want mass adapt adaptation, right? I want mainstream consumer adaption, right? So what does that mean? Unfortunately, the regulatory piece, we're going to be backed down for it because, you know, again, Washington loves whenever anything's making money, Washington wants to figure out how to tax it, how to regulate it, right? So we can't help that. But you know, when you when you think about where we have opportunity again globally, adoption globally is at a pace that is wonderful, right? Given how 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 new we are as an industry, but you know, I, I definitely I definitely want to see much more industry growth. And Jeremy, here's a concern that I have, and I don't know if other people have it. It's barely twelve years old. The, whether or not people hate Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or blockchain, it's here to stay. It is actually going to, you know, the train has left and it's going to grow. But the crypto community has this burden, in my opinion. Who's going to actually take it to the next level? Right? Because when you see entities like Visa or Fidelity or you know, PayPal enter this space, it's because they know that they have the consumers. They want to take it to the marketplace. They want to give it mainstream adoption. And if the crypto community is not careful, right? All of these great exchanges we've built, all of these great organizations, companies, and products we've built, they will get overshadowed, run over, and and the traditional financial industry will step in and they'll actually do the education, they'll connect to their consumers and they will actually go the space. I, I remember when PayPal first, you know, announced, you know, that they're going to offer crypto and and they they had the descriptions for the six cryptocurrencies that yeah. they, and <laughs> remember the whole uproar on crypto Twitter was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and my thing was PayPal is, they have to speak to a consumer that knows nothing about crypto, right? They they have to test the language based on the consumer base they have, right? Yeah. Because again, in crypto, we don't have a consumer base yet. 
we haven't we we haven't carved our niche in the marketplace. So so in the next four years, I would love to see the people who actually build crypto, mm -hmm. which includes people of color who were there from the beginning. Yeah. Really look at how do we make sure we protect our market share and make sure we're not fighting and and giving you know the traditional financial institution an opportunity to come in and just take it. Yeah. Very good perspective as a as a as a startup that's been in the space for seven and a half years. I, I hope that is also what happens. <laughs> um, Cleb, this has been really wonderful to have you on. Uh, really appreciate your thoughts and insights, and looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, continued collaboration. Um, just th thank you again for for joining us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here and to connect with your viewers and listeners. And thank you for the great work you're doing with Soko. I, I commend you on your commitment to financial inclusion and also to building a strong financial system for the world. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye-bye. So some great perspective there. Uh, from Clev and uh, a really pivotal moment in in uh, in policy, uh, in crypto, um, in what mainstream adoption might look like over the next four years, and really a call to action on our industry to be more intentional uh, about diversity, uh, to be more intentional about education, and and really the substance of what financial inclusion involves. So, hopefully, uh, you all took some great perspective from that. Uh, un until next time, uh, stay well, stay safe, and stay informed.